I want to continue sharing with you the second part next week. Got the worship team coming, but I've, I've had too many people, and I've had some other people telling me, number of people telling me, that they wish they would have heard this type of message 20, 30 years ago. And there's such a spirit of counsel and a spirit of wisdom on this message this morning that I just pray that you have ears to hear and receive it as the Spirit of God speaks forth. We don't have time to look at it, but it says in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, it says, and the Lord was with Joseph and he prospered. There's something about keeping your heart right that allows God's presence to be with you no matter where you are. When Joseph was betrayed by his own flesh and blood, his brothers, and he was thrown into the pit, the Lord was in the pit with him. When he was sold as a slave and he had to start going through the desert with shackles and chains upon him, the Lord was with him. When he was in Potiphar's house and all of a sudden Potiphar's wife came on to him and as a young man and he took off running, God was with him, but God was with him in the run. Sometimes it's the same strangest places and the strangest ways. A lot of times it's the way we respond in the temptation that is going to be the result whether God will be with us or not. But we know that finally when Joseph finally, because he stayed before God and before he went to Pharaoh, Pharaoh says, I know there's a divine spirit in you and the presence of God is with you. And he says, you're in the presence of God. And that's why your, answer, your prayers are being answered. Pharaoh believed in a lot of gods, but only Joseph's God, only your God and my God knew the answers to what needed to be revealed. There's always a way out, but there's something special about the way we keep our heart or not. As I was meditating on this and as I get into this today, I was, I was thinking about, you know, as I, I was thinking about the movie, The Grinch. And I remember, movie, remember in the movie, The Grinch, he, there was a part where he got this phone book and he started by the first one. He says, such and such, he's still on the mountain. He says, I hate you. Then he went to the next person in the phone book. So and so, I hate you. Then he went to the next name, and he was, it was his custom to get on this mountaintop and start hollering, I hate you. And how many of you know, he might have said he hated everybody, but they were all down below in the valley having a good time. He was all by himself. But what I started thinking about was when he was looking at the phone books, how many times have I seen people's yearbooks where there's a certain person that they draw horns and a beard? Oh, I hear some, I hear some responses there. Huh? I open up some people's yearbooks and there's some pictures there and they've got some horns and a beard. And what do they have? I hate you. And we see him doing that with the phone book. But how many times do we do that when we run across a picture of our ex? I hate you. Are we looking at your book and this guy gave me trouble. This girl, man, she was so stuck up. And we talk about and we draw horns and we draw. Every, isn't it amazing that you can tell when they keep drawing the mustache more and more and more on the faces of the yearbooks? And so how can we have the presence of God when our heart's not right? It's the heart that got Joseph into the palace. And so we see here that there's times it says God was with him. Even though there was times it didn't seem like God was with him. It's easy to say, oh, God is with us. Oh, boy, we had a service today. God was there. Hey, I want you to know something. When you don't feel like God was here, God was here anyway. It shocks me how people say, boy, God was there today. Well, God was there last week too. <laughs> Two or three are gathered in my name. Yeah, but I felt him. Oh, so you got to feel him all the time. You think Joseph felt him in the pit? You think Joseph felt him when he lived his life right because he considered the presence of God more than going to bed with that woman? 
She says, nobody's going to know. Nobody's in the palace. The God I serve will know, and I'm conscious of his presence because he was with me in the pit. And now that he took me out of the pit, I'm in this nice place. I'm, I'm not going to live any less in his presence as I did in the pit. I'm going to stay in his presence. Keeping your heart is what will get you all the way through the race. Keeping your heart is what will keep you going when it seems like, Lord, are you really with me right now? Are you in this? And the Bible says the Lord was with him. And as we see these things, we're going to see there's somebody I, I love in the Bible. Uh, is Stephen, the first martyr. And you could just see, here's this man. He's getting ready to be stoned. And, and the glory of God comes on him. His face starts shining like an angel. And all the hypocrites just jump on him and start biting him. Biting him. Cannibals. He's preaching the word and they are. And all he did was say, Jesus. But there's something about when they took his coat off like they took Joseph's coat off. And they threw it down at the feet of Paul, which was Saul at that moment. And they picked up rocks and they started stoning him. And it is amazing that Stephen spoke about Joseph. I believe Joseph was one of his heroes. A lot of people have a lot of heroes. A lot of people meditate on a lot of people. Well, you know, I love John Wayne. You know, I love... And we got a lot of heroes. But I believe when Stephen was a little boy, I believe his mama would read the story of Joseph and I believe Stephen would go, Mama, read that story again. I believe when Joseph would go to bed at night and he says, do you want me to read about Abraham? I love Abraham, but read to about Joseph again. And I believe that Joseph was embedded in Stephen's heart until he met Jesus. Then he says, tell me the story of Jesus again. I want to be like that. And Stephen preached about Joseph in Acts chapter 7, 9 through 10. He says, but then those fathers, those fathers, not my fathers, Jacob, Levi, Reuben, Issachar, they ain't my fathers. But then those fathers, burning up with jealousy, sent Joseph off to Egypt as a slave. But God was right there with him. I was thinking that as he saw those people picking up stones, he's saying, Lord, you're right here with me. You're right here with me. And just like Joseph ended up seeing Pharaoh, all of the, and he knew God was with him. There's Stephen, who's been meditating on Joseph. Guess who he sees before he dies? The heavens open. And the Son of God standing on the right hand of the Father looking at him. And he says, I see the Son of God and the glory of God surrounding him. There's something about being able to say, Father, forgive them. Or in other words, watch this. I have no enemies. I have no enemies enemies what we see through the word what we see through these people is that they were able to go through the valley because they didn't hold on to the enemies and the enemies didn't hold on to them you see these programs on tv where they show these big ships that go out on the sea and every once in a while they have to bring them into harbor and they have to start taking the things that collect collect on the side of the hull and weigh the boat down and slow the boat down and and they it's a lot of tedious work but they got to take all this stuff that collects to the boat boat because it slows down it weighs it down well there's that's what happens when we allow ourselves to hold on and have enemies well that's just somebody i'll never forgive that's something I'll never forget. Those things just start collecting on us and slowing us down, and we can't go forward in our lives. But here's Joseph saying God was there with him. Though he not only rescued him from all of his troubles, but brought him, brought him to the attention of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he was so impressed with Joseph that he put him in charge of the whole country, including his own personal affairs. God was with him. Joseph said it here in Genesis chapter 45 through 5. It says, God was behind it. 
Joseph knew that if something's going to happen in my life, God's going to do it and God's going to get all the glory. God's behind it. God sent me here. Look how many times he says, God sent me here ahead of you to save lives. There had been a famine in the land now for two years. The famine will continue for five more years, neither plowing nor harvesting. God sent me on ahead to pave the way, make sure the land. So it goes on to say, so, so you see, it wasn't you who sent me here, but God. He set me in place. The circumstances was causing me to come to a place where I could allow, God was able to do things in my life that he wasn't able to do with, with anybody else. Do you know that when Joseph became the prince, when Pharaoh took his ring off and put it upon his finger, gave him a robe, gave him the second chariot, Pharaoh told him, I want you to go ride through all the land. And when I read that, I started thinking, can you imagine what it's like when he rode in front of Potiphar and his wife's house? And Pharaoh said, everybody's going to have to bow and nobody can lift an arm unless you give them permission. Can you imagine if it would have been maybe us before the valley or while we were still in the valley? Can you imagine we would have thought, boy, I'm going to let all the Egyptian papers know that woman lied about me and I'll make her tell the truth and then I'll put them in prison. How many know we think of the times to get people back or it's time to give them humble pie or, or give them a piece of our mind or whatever the case may be. And so it was his opportunity to give them back. But you know, the Bible never says that Joseph mentioned anything about the lies or the jail or anything else. He forgave them just like he was able to forgive his brothers. Something deep was done within his heart. And we see here that instead of paying back time, it was time to be show I'm a changed man. The valley changed me so I could be promoted. But God led me here. But God allowed me to go through this. But God let me see that he was with me even when I was in the pit. So I got to know him in even a greater way. Greatness is in the attitudes. I couldn't uh, find the picture. I'd love to show you this picture. that In 1981 when I was living... Uh, in Honduras, I was living with a national pastor, and we had a group of pastors there going through this school, and I was going through the school with the pastors. But there was one pastor that really stood out. He was a little fella who had curved, clubbed feet. His, he walked on his knees. He had cordboard and leather tied with ropes around his leg, and he had cordboard and leather on his knees and, 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 and his ankles. And he walked everywhere on his feet, and he'd carry his guitar and his Bible and when we'd have to get on the bus, he, he would get on the bus and his, his feet was directly towards the sky and his ankles totally curved in. But he had the prettiest smile out of everybody. And we were 60 pastors. I was the only uh, American, the rest were Honduran. All the pastors, he had the greatest smile. And there was times when he would grab the guitar and sing and he didn't have any front teeth and I don't know if he had any back bottom teeth. But when he would start to sing, he had a voice that the others could not compare to. And, and he would get on that bus, and nobody would help him, and he didn't want help. And he would crawl up there on his knees, and he would get up there, and he'd stand on his knees, and he'd preach from the pulpit, you know, on his knees. I mean, he lived on his knees, and never once did he complain, never once did he moan, never once did he sigh. All he ever did, he lived to praise God, and he pastored a bunch of churches. He couldn't walk, but his attitude made him the tallest man in the Bible school. Where you work, I know there's idiots. 
I know where you work. I know there's some Grinches. And I know they stand there and they look at you. They go, I hate you. I hate you. I know where you work. I know what you go home to a lot of times. There's a Grinch in the sofa and there's a Grinch in the kitchen. But the tallest person is the person with the heart. And the attitude is what allows you to be the head and, and, and above all these other things. Now, we're not going to look at this scripture, but in Genesis chapter four, 45, verse 24, it's interesting what Joseph told his brothers after he, Pharaoh had him give him all kind of clothes and all kind of money and all kind of food. It's amazing what, Pharaoh, what uh, Joseph told him. He says, and along the way, please don't fight. Will y'all try? He says in one translation, will y'all try to get along? He said in another translation, will y'all behave? Listen. Joseph knew something. Listen to what I'm getting ready to say. Joseph knew something. He knew that they hadn't changed on the inside because they didn't go through the valley he went through. They didn't experience the pit. They didn't experience the betrayal. They didn't experience the lies. They did the lying. They did the betrayal. They didn't go through it, so they didn't have the heart that Joseph had, so they didn't have the position Joseph held. There's something else I want to show you here. This is even more important. Listen to this. Joseph said, I know how y'all are. See, Joseph gave Benjamin more. Listen. Joseph gave Benjamin more than he gave the other brothers. And so he knew, just like they wanted to kill me because I had the coat of many colors, I know they're going to want to get after Benjamin because they're, I, I know their heart. And even Stephen said, those, those fathers were burning with jealousy. They'll never have a heart change, and they never did. But listen to this. Joseph said, I know you're going to fight on the way home. I know you're going to argue, and I know you're already jealous because I gave Benjamin more than I gave you. Listen to this. You cannot expect to change, or you cannot expect the people who have hurt you or betrayed you to change. You would think after all this, Joseph's brothers would have changed. But Joseph knew they can't change unless God changed them. The Lord was with me. But it is noticeable the Lord is not with them. And if the presence and God is not with them, they're not able to change. The reason we get so bitter and the reason we get so angry is because will they ever change? When will they ever confess that they were wrong? There are some people, maybe here, for 10, 20, 30, 40 years, you've been waiting for somebody to confess they were wrong. Maybe it was a parent. Maybe it was a sibling. Maybe it was somebody you worked with. Maybe it was an ex. I don't know. Maybe you're waiting for a child to say, I was wrong. There's somebody here. You may be saying, they were wrong. Why can't they just confess it? Why can't they say, I messed up. I'm sorry. I want to free you today. Jesus could have came off the cross, but he chose not to. He forgave before they repented. He forgave in the midst of his pain and agony. He forgave before anyone could change. And Joseph knew there's no way these guys can change. But I, I want to thank, I can hear Joseph, but I want to thank God for the pit. I want to thank God for Potiphar's house. I want to thank God that while I was running, I felt the anointing increasing on me. And I felt the presence of God coming upon me because I felt I was conquering something. Even though I was lied, betrayed, and I went to prison for it, I was innocent. I held my integrity, and God did something. More. I want to thank God for the prison. I want to thank God that these things happened to me because if God wouldn't have done something inside of my heart, I would have ended up blowing it, and I would have never made it all the way to the end like I'm going to. 
One thing we're going to see about Paul and Joseph, listen to me. It's not how important you started out. What's important is how you finish. We're going to be reading about the Apostle Paul. He didn't, at the end of his life, he didn't tell how many churches he started. He didn't tell how many miracles he had. He didn't tell how big a following he had. You know what he said? He said, I finished the fight. That's what he said. He said, it's all about finishing the fight. It's all about running the race. It's all about living a life the best I could for the glory of Christ. It's not my accomplishments. He is my accomplishment. And there's something about God wanting to do something in our heart because it's the heart that keeps the presence. The children of Israel, the three million of them, they died in the wilderness. They died in the desert because they couldn't have the right heart and attitude. And they went around in circles over and over again. There's something about the heart. Thomas Jefferson said, when the heart is right, the feet are swift. I was thinking about the Valley of Baca. When the heart's not right, the feet are frozen. I'm not going to forgive them. I'm not going to let that go. I'm not going to quit hounding them. I'm not going to quit talking about it. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to start talking to them. I'm not going to forgive them. And as long as we do that, we're frozen and we will never get out of the valley and we'll die in the valley if we can't ever get past that point. I looked up some people. Joseph told them. He says, I know you're going to be fighting. I looked up some stories about people who won the lottery. How many lottery players do we have in here this morning? No, don't raise your hand. Nobody's raising their hand. Go, go, leash. Okay, never mind. Listen to this. Listen to this. William Post won $16.2 million from Pennsylvania. $16.2 million. You know what he said? I wish it would have never happened. It was a total nightmare. His girlfriend sued him and took her share of the winnings. His brother, listen, his brother was arrested for taking money from him and hiring a hitman to kill him so he could get the rest of his brother's money. He lent money to siblings to invest in businesses and they used it all up. And listen, he won $16.2 million. In a year, he was a million dollars in debt in one year. He ended up living the rest of his life till he died not long ago on $450 a month. He died of heart failure. So many people think, oh, if I just win the lottery, then my wife and I would be happy. We'd get along. We could go eat out. We could have fun. We could hire a babysitter. If we win the lottery, listen, all these stories here, they end in divorce. A couple who won $25 million. $25 million ended in divorce. Man was kidnapped and murdered by his sister-in-law after winning $20 million. And there's just stories over and over again. 5.4 million in two years. Lost everything. Ended up living in a camper. I mean, all these stories about people who got it. And you know why they all say over and over again? I wish I would have never won. The family issues. Stories after stories. 3.5 million. Uh, losing it within a year. Story after story after story. You know why? Because they didn't go through the pit and the prison and the potter first time. They didn't have the heart to have the goods. Well, why hasn't God blessed me yet? Because your heart's not ready for the amount of blessings he wants to give. 
You see, Joseph was prepared for 13 years for what he got. His brothers never were prepared and died unprepared and never had it. Think about it. The spirit of counsel. Why did we have to go through those 18 years on the mission field? Thank God we had to go through those 18 years on the mission field. Thank God for the times we couldn't eat. Thank God for the times we were, we were humbled and broken down the side of the road and we had to split a sandwich or split a coffee. I praise God for those times because in those times when Cindy and I would cry and look at each other and everybody was telling us, it's, it so happens that when we were splitting a sandwich, people were telling us about their huge offerings they were getting at the churches. And they go, I just got back from my church and I got $15,000 from my ministry. And we're splitting a sandwich and we're hungry. And we go outside and the times we've got in our vehicle and we cried and the times we asked God, God, why not us? God's saying, go read about Joseph. I'll give it to you. You'll blow it and I'll have to judge you on it. But if I judge you and you judge yourself and you get a heart change, then there'll be nothing to judge when I give it to you. And when I give it to you, you're not going to lose it because I can trust you because if you're faithful in little, you're faithful in the mission field, I'll be faithful to you in Pineville. John Newton wrote a song. He's the one who wrote Amazing Grace. He wrote a number of hymns. He wrote this hymn that said, How tedious and tasteless hours when Jesus I do no longer see. Sweet prospects, sweet birds, sweet flowers have all lost their sweetness to me. The midsummer sun shines but dim. The fields strive in vain to look happy. But when I'm happy in him, December is as pleasant as May. I was thinking, you know what? I need to translate that for us rednecks. John Newton, December is as pleasant as May for us. It's Brother Jimmy Buffett. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's, it's going to be good no matter what. Somewhere it's five o'clock, it's closing down time. Well, that didn't go over good, but anyway. It's five o'clock somewhere. <laughs> I liked it. <laughs> anyway, listen, there's going to be a breaking point. I'm going through it. But it's going to be an end somewhere to this trial. But when I come through it, something's going to be done that couldn't have been done anywhere else. We had to be in the jungles to better go to the villages, to go from the villages to the cities, from the cities to the major cities, and from the major cities to the nations, and from the nations to central Louisiana. We had to go through those processes, and we couldn't be bitter about where we were. Joseph couldn't become bitter for location because location, location, location is even in the spirit realm. There's some people you've moved from other places and you're saying, what am I doing in Pineville? God says, you're in the oven and I want you in central Louisiana. I can't do to you what I can do to you here to get you ready for what I'm going to do to you there. You learn to blossom where you're planted. I'll use you in another place in an anointed way like you've never even dreamed of. You wouldn't grow in Florida. You'd grow in Pineville. 
You wouldn't grow in New Orleans or New York. You wouldn't grow in Baton Rouge. You wouldn't grow in Shreveport or Monroe. You wouldn't grow in Alaska. You wouldn't grow, well, we'd grow in Hawaii. How many have a witness about that? But, but, but you know, yeah, okay, I see somebody. Okay, I got a witness. Yeah, Hawaii, okay, there. We're going to start an annex there. But anyway, okay, I see a bunch of, I got, I got a group of people ready to go with me. But listen, there's something about when you're where God has you, when you yes. don't understand it, it's because he's doing something beyond your see what it's you good. can see. You stay faithful. Look what he says here. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life or it determines the presence of God. Guard your heart. Keep it. Don't keep your enemies. It's not what's happening to you. It's what's happening in you. I want to read some things from the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 3.16. Look what he says. Whatever, though they turn to face God as Moses did. Now look at this. This is powerful. This is the word of God, 2 Corinthians 3.16. God removes the veil and there they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence. Not a piece of chiseled stone. The heart makes room for the presence. Getting before God like Isaiah and saying, woe is me, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a man that's not perfect. He says, when I see that and I, the veil is removed and I see this, it, it says, and when God is personally present, a living spirit, the old constraining legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God. Our face is shining with the brightness. There's Stephen and there's Joseph right there. Our face is shining with the brightness of his face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah. Our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more like him. There's the answer to why you're going through what you're going through to get our hearts to be more and more like him. So listen to what it goes on to say. Chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. Since God has so generously let us in on what he is doing, we're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. Here we get to the heart. They didn't tell me I did good. I quit. It's always a pastor who gets appreciation. How about me? I quit. It's always this. It's always that. I never get any appreciation for what I do. I quit. They don't like me. I quit. My husband don't give me what I want. I quit. My wife don't give me what I want. I quit. And we're always ready to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into an occasional hard time. Hello. Look what he goes on to say. We refuse to wear a mask and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. We don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open. The whole truth is on display so that those who want to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. It's all, with people of the heart, it's all about the presence. I can't afford to dis become dislocated from God, disconnected. Second Corinthians chapter 4, 16 and 18. So we're not giving up. Listen to what Paul's saying over and over again. Put it in your heart. You can't give up. You can't quit. How can we? Even though on the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. But on the inside, say with me, on the inside. On the inside where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. Look at this. 
These hard times are small potatoes compared to the good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. Listen, this is Joseph's counsel and this is Paul's. There is far more here than meets the eye. If Joseph could have told you something from the pit, if you go down there and you'd see on the wall of the pit, Joseph was here, I think he would write down, there is more here than meets the eye. Wherever you are right now in your life, there's more here than meets the eye. There's more here than meets the eye. There's more here than meets the eye. People are betraying you. People are lying about you. People, there's rumors going on about you. There's more here than meets the eye. There's a lot of death to self through this horror to bring more of Christ out to life. Listen to this. He goes on to say, the things we see now are here today but gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. Amen. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 6, 4 through 10. It says, people are watching us as we stay at our post, alert, unswervingly. Listen to what it says here. In hard times, in tough times, in bad times, when we're beaten up, jailed, mobbed, working hard, working late, working without eating, with a pure heart. You want to see something humbling? On Facebook this week, they showed over 100 Christians that were burnt by the Muslims. And they showed their bodies all side by side outside of the building. And they showed hundreds of them that were burnt to death. Their bodies all twisted and mangled. They showed some Christians who were killed, I think, this week in Egypt. Heads disformed and everything where they were beaten to death in the church. They weren't the type of Christians that when something happened, I quit. I'm not a Christian anymore. When they pick up rocks at Stephen, Stephen said, I don't denounce Christ. It's not too hard. If this comes with a package, in the blinking of an eye, I'll be with him in paradise. Jesus, when he was nailed upon the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels and he could have came down from there. This is too hard. This is too painful. I'm innocent. I shouldn't be going through this. He stayed upon the cross. And by staying on the cross, he went through hell. He went through the tomb and he went into glory. It says there, with a pure heart and a clear head, steady hand and gentleness, holiness, and honest love, when we're telling the truth and when God's showing his power, when we're doing our best, setting things right, we're doing our best, when we're praised, when we're blamed, slandered, honored, true to our word, though distrusted, ignored by the world, but recognized by God, terrifically alive, though rumored to be dead, beaten within an inch of our lives, but but refusing to die, immersed in tears, yet always filled with joy, living on handouts, yet enriching many, having nothing but having it all. It says in verse 11, dear, bro, dear Corinthians, I can tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open, spacious life. We didn't fence you in. Your parents didn't fence you in. Your last marriage didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Come on, church. Spirit of Paul speaking here. There's nobody holding you back. Don't get bitter and don't get angry about nobody holding you back. The smallness you feel comes from within. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. I'm speaking as plainly as I can with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. 
There it is. The handwriting on the wall. What is the answer to my life? The heart. Don't live in comparison or under the words of what they've told you. Become partners with God. In 2 Corinthians 7, 1, we're going to skip this. It says, with promises like this to pull on us, pull on us, dear friends. Let us make a clean break with everything that defiles or distracts us both within and without. Let us make our entire lives fit and holy temples for the worship of God. Now I want to show you something interesting. Look what it says here in 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 7 through 10. Look what it says here. When we arrived in Macedonia province, we couldn't settle down. Look at this. The fights in the church. Fights in the church? How many ever known of fights in the church? How many know there are no perfect people? How many know you're going to have problems wherever you go? Not everything's going to make you happy all the time and satisfy you. There's going to be fights in the church. So look what he says. The fights in the church and the fears in our hearts kept us on pins and needles. Have you ever felt like you had to be around pins and needles on people? Go watch everything you say. Oh, if I, if I say too much, I might get them mad. Then the God who... We couldn't relax because we didn't know how it would turn out. Oh, man, it just looks like this is going to be ruined. It just looks like everybody's going to leave. Everybody's going to flip out. Everybody's going crazy. Everybody's going to believe the lie. Everybody's going to believe the rumor. Then he says, then the God who lifts up the downcast lifted up our heads and our hearts with the arrival of titles. We were glad just to see him, but the true reassurance came in what he told us about you, how much you cared, how much you grieved, and how concerned you were for me. I went from worry to tranquility in no time. Now look at this. I know, you've got to know this, I know I distressed you greatly with my letter, although I felt awful at the time. I don't feel all bad about it now, and I see how it turned out. He wrote a letter that got him mad. The letter upset you, but only for a while. Now I'm glad. Not that you were upset, but that you were jarred into turning things around. You didn't change the church because the message made you uncomfortable. You were thankful the message made you uncomfortable so that God could do the perfect work on your heart. I told you the truth to wake you up. I told you the truth for you to see. It says, you let the distresses bring you to God, not drive you from him. The result was all gain and no loss. Distress that drives us to God does that. It turns us around. It gets us back in the way of salvation. We never regret that kind of pain. We never regret that kind of pain. But those who let distress drive them away from God are full of regrets and end up on a deathbed of regrets oh they say you can tell a lot about a man by the way he dies you can tell a lot about how the person lived and I want to tell you something Paul is saying my conscience is clear I've ran my race I've done all that I can for God now I am ready to go the way of all the earth look what Joseph said so Joseph dwelt in Egypt he and his father's household and Joseph lived 110 years he was 30 when he came in the palace. So Joseph saw Ephraim's children to the third generation. And then Manasseh was brought up on Joseph's knee. He saw three generations. How many know he was a blessed man? He said, my conscience doesn't bother me. I don't have any enemies. 
I have forgiven my brothers. I have forgiven all those who lied and betrayed me. And all he did was live the rest of his life enjoying life with no regrets. That's the type of lifestyle God wants to bring us to. I don't regret the hard times. I'm thankful for the times of pain because if I didn't have the pain, I would have got comfortable and I would have lost what God wanted to do for me. Thankful for the times I ran out of gas because now when I see people on the side of the road who have no gas, I can stop and help them because I've been there. It's not that God is with me now because everything's good. God is with me now because he's always been with me in the good as well as the bad. Doing a work in my heart. My present condition. Listen to this. Joseph was led by grace. He spoke by grace. He forgave by grace. He forgot by grace. He loved by grace. And because of grace, he got into the palace. He got into the position God planned for him. The grace of God. Somebody asked a helicopter pilot one time, they say, have you ever flown the helicopter into a rainbow? He says, yes, I've flown into a rainbow and I've flown around a rainbow, but I could never find the end of the rainbow. It's eternal. That's how the grace of God is. That's how the strength of God is to better help you live a life with a clean heart and a clean conscience and to better say like Joseph, it is well with my soul. Would you stand please? It is well with my soul. If you bow your head and close your eyes, There are things we just quite don't understand. Why did I go through that? Why has it hurt me so much? You may be here today and you're saying, why is that bothering me so long? Well, go speak to the Father in his presence and let the veil be removed. And let him start speaking in your heart. You say, why, why did I let that bother me so much what that person told me? It wasn't nothing, but yet I can't forget it. Because maybe there's a root there of something that was done or told you years ago that from somebody you haven't been able to forgive and it just keeps reoccurring and reoccurring and reoccurring. Paul was said, I'm ready to give up my life now. I've ran my race. My conscience is clear. I'm not going to die on the deathbed of regret. I'm not going to die on the deathbed of unforgiveness. I'm not going to face judgment for not keeping my heart right. I've heard the word today and I'm ready to allow the Holy Spirit to do his perfect work in my life, in my heart. I do not want to leave, lose the presence of God because of the condition of my heart. If you're here today just praying, just surrender to the Holy Spirit in those areas. I'm not going to allow things to separate me, disqualify me from the presence of God. Joseph was an innocent man that Went through a lot because of his brothers. But we have a savior who was innocent. And when we see him on the cross and we fall before him and we repent and receive him as Lord, he says, rise up, my brothers, I forgive you. If you're here today, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you're here today, you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If you've never surrendered your heart to him and given your life to him totally, I want to give you an opportunity right now to raise your hand and say, I've got to surrender my life to Jesus today. That's you. Raise your hand. Anyone at all. I've got to surrender my life to Jesus. Today, I will call him my Lord. I will receive him as my Savior. 
If you've never been born again, you've never received Christ into your heart as Lord and Savior, your sins have not been forgiven. Right now is the opportunity for you to get your heart right with Christ right now. This is right now about you and God. It's not about the other people here. It's about you right now getting your heart life with God. That's you raise your hand and say to show I surrender to Jesus right now. I take him as my own. Anyone at all. I receive him right now. I have to have Jesus. I need you, Lord. Anyone at all? Heads are still bowed. Eyes are still closed. I want to pray with you as we get ready to close. But one more prayer. If you're here today, no one's looking around. You're here today and you say, pray for me. You were speaking directly at me. I know I am where I am because I, I know I have a wrong attitude. I know there are people I haven't forgiven. I need, I need to be able to release them. Pray for me to release them. If that's you, just raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. Just raise your hand right there where you are. God bless you. Put it up and then put it down. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Yes, God bless you. God bless you. Every age group here today, Father, Father, we come before you. And Lord, as they've raised their hands in humility and surrender to you, Father, only you can change us and only you can transform us. We cannot change ourselves just like Joseph's brothers couldn't. But Lord, we can yield to the God who changes us. And right now, we ask you, Holy Spirit, to reveal and show the areas of our life that's not pleasing, Lord, to you. Create in us a clean heart, O oh God. And renew a right spirit within us. And cast me not away from your presence, O oh God. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Help me to be like Christ. That's my call. That's my call. To be like Christ. Now, Father, give grace to these that raise their hands. And heal them of their wounds. Allow them to be able to go into that new area in their hearts and their minds. To better live free from the prison, the chains that's held them back to the past. Only you can free us of those things that torment us. Lord, only you can free us of the things that keep us up all night. And yet we, we wake up the next day and nothing has changed. We need you to speak a word into our hearts. There are people here right now, Father, their lives are miserable. They see no answers for their life. Lord, they feel like... Their head is going to explode. Their eyes are going to explode. They feel the pressures inside and out. They, they, there are people here that are so desperate. And Lord, you said in your word, let that desperate feeling drive you to Christ and not away from God. Run to him. Get serious about your walk with God. Just don't wear a mask. Don't play. No, get serious. And what he tells you to do, he'll give you the grace to do it. He'll give you the strength to do it. And we receive that grace and we receive that strength in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 Do you receive that? Hallelujah. Praise God. Well, I believe there's something that happened today in your life. Amen. Your heart's going to get you through. And you're going to outlast any trial you're going through. Amen.
Listen, we love you and we bless you. Don't forget Wednesday night we'll be here to continue the Bible study. Tuesday night intercession. Friday night men's meeting. We'll be here next Sunday morning. Both services. We worship and praise. We love you and we bless you as Brother Jake dismisses us. Amen. Great word today. You receive it into your heart. Just want to uh, invite you just to, if you get on, on the website, on, on, on a, on, online, go to wordofgrace.tv and check out all the things to stay connected with Word of Grace. We also, we also want to encourage you to let your friends and family know about what God's doing here and bring them with you. And just let's fill this place up. We've been trying to figure out ways to work out the parking situation and, and get more people to come to the first service, whatever we can do to make things better. But we just want to see God do some great things in this area and uh, just see God show up in our lives and awaken our families and our friends and our loved ones that need Him. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank You for this Word. God, we thank You, God, that today Lord, we are challenged, Lord, in the area of not thinking small, Lord, about ourselves, about this area, about our, our city, God. We ask that you would just birth in us, Lord God, a passion for our city, God, and to think big and to think beyond, Lord God, our own selves and our own small mentalities, Lord God. But we would just think that, Lord, know that the Holy Spirit is there encouraging us, knowing that, Lord, we our better years, our best is yet to come, Father. And Lord, we just give you our best. We give you 110% of our lives. And we ask you to just let this sink inside of us today. Be with everyone as we go separately about our ways, Lord. And let us have a great time with family and friends. And just have a great afternoon, Lord, just loving each other and loving you. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone says, amen. God bless you.